Welcome to another episode of Middle Ground with JLE LLC, where we treat you like family. I have another amazing guest for you today. We have public media relations expert and CEO of the Exposure TV Network app, Ms. Tam Lawrence. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. I appreciate, I appreciate you. you for doing it. Mm-hmm. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. I am a wonderful and amazing uh, daughter to a mother who has dementia and a caregiver, a mother to two children. And I've been in business for over 25 years and 18 of those years I spent in communication. I graduated from Marquette University uh, undergrad in psychology and a double major in communication. And I also attended Kent University where I took journalism. And today I work as an advocate in journalism, defending the stories of Black America. you done a lot. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So what led you on this path? Uh, I grew up in a house of Pan-Africanists. Now, my parents were very strict and very stern, um, but they taught us, you know, the uh, importance of celebrating who we are as a people. And so um, I I grew to love uh, communication, media, and I believe it was one of the teachings my father was doing with us, and he said... um, A quote by Malcolm X that guided my whole entire life is that uh, media had the ability to make the innocent guilty and the guilty innocent. And it would be the most powerful weapon that we would ever have. And then I also fell in love with Gordon Parks, who also followed that same sentiments of Malcolm X and understood the power of communication and mass media and how it can desensitize people from humanity Mm -hmm. or can uplift people. Mm -hmm. Okay. You do a lot right there. (laughs) (laughs) So you do Black History Month every month. Uh, pretty much, pretty much. Um, I don't in um, conforming to society uh, dogmatic ways of saying what is popular or what should be celebrated. Um, yeah. It's so important for us to understand that um, we should celebrate ourselves every day. No one should dictate whether it's grandma month or women's month or whatever the case may be. And it's just so much of that, that we have become consumed um, with this type of thinking. Uh, when we are living disconnected from the subconscious, it's very difficult for us to live in the conscious and then to stand in our truth. And so to disconnect from uh, the conformities of this world is to own your own thoughts. That's important to me, is to own your own thoughts. Yeah, we're in a microwave society right now, so people don't really go research what we've actually accomplished as a people in this country. They know the greatest hits. Dr. King, Malcolm X. They used to do Bill Cosby back in the day when I was in school, or Jesse Owens. And now it used to be Michael Jordan, and I say LeBron and Kobe now. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Instead of... 
far the back of stuff we done with Burger T. Washington and all of them. Mm-hmm. The things. So, what is Exposure TV Network? App? So, Exposure Network um, started with On Demand. And so, uh, what I was doing with this piece right here, um, I, I wanted to celebrate the diaspora of African-American women in cinema. And that is where I started at. And so the pandemic kicked in. Oh, yeah, it was (laughs) game changer. Game changer. So I literally start. um, Well, it was a year in about eight months into the development process, launched the app in March, which was like the beginning of the pandemic. So I had to change things around. But I, when you throw lemons at me, we make lemonade. Okay. And so we decided, you know what, let's use this time to really just give people an opportunity uh, to create good content for conscious thinkers, uh, people who wanted content that would provoke thought, empire, it would empower, inspire and uplift people all at the same time, I thought, and I'm sorry, and inform them. So it's mm-hmm. very important. So what we consider ourselves at Exposure, whether it's the magazine, Exposure Magazine, Exposure um, Network Television, we consider ourselves as advocates. We are change agents. We, are, we, we shape the content to redirect the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, what type, what would be an example of a show that does all those things you, you mentioned on your program? I would say All Man Rock. Um, so in, in building All Man Rock out, um, All Man Rock is about men who had overcome life obstacles to achieve their greater goals. And so um, I had the pleasure of being a publicist for a really wonderful and amazing actor. And um, we were sitting backstage one day reading over the script, Blue Capri. And so as I was reading the script, um, in it, Blue Capri is about the DC sniper. And so the DC sniper said several times in, in this paper, you know, as we were reading his dialogue, they were not listening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, if I use the psych part of what I understand from four years of psych, when somebody says that they were not listening, this means that he was trying to get somebody's attention. He was trying to tell people that he was going through something mentally. And a lot of times in our society, we are desensitized or men are taught to be hard. You know, we, we, um, we defined man in a me in a way in which he can't be emotional or anything emotional means that he's weak, you know, so he has to stay tough and hard. And yeah. so we <laughs> to man to not understand, but to respond. And so at which point in time I felt like, you know what? I needed to get out and gather the stories of amazing men who had overcome life obstacles because there's some little boy who's growing up that nobody's listening to. 
And so they're steady screaming at him, you need to be a man. But if 70 something percent of head of household right now in certain communities are women, then how can I become something I never met? Great point. So All Man Rock would probably be that one show. It was the one show that brought us over 700,000 downloads. So I got to say, All Man Rock was the awesome. <laughs> Yeah, but just even given that 70% number, that's a it, it has a big impact for fathers not in the home to teach the child manhood. Mm -hmm. And what do they do with all that typical young boy aggression they have? Most most moms might put them in sports. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do that, what does he do with it? Or do they know what to do with him so he can get it out instead of just go get out my face? <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and I don't think that sports is the... Um, is the solution, right? It's not the solution to fixing mental health issues. When somebody is going through something mentally, this is, I mean, we, we're we watching the product of those environments that people thought put them in sports, get them away, go outside and play with the other kids. We're watching that right now in Chicago and in other inner cities um, be very, uh, interesting in terms of how they react to conflict and resolution. So I think the problem is not really just economic oppression, um, you know, whether it is systemic genocide or all of these things that we want to impress upon ourselves. But I think it starts with us loving ourselves enough to teach our children that they don't have to come up and live animalistic. And so um, I'm a parent who didn't raise my children in communities where they had to fight. Um, I didn't think that that was how my children should, you know, should be reared. I thought that they needed to be in an environment so yeah. that they could understand what it is not to live in a society that would, um, or live in a community that in order for them to survive it, they have to fight, fight, fight. And there is nothing like living in animalistic mode every day, all day, or fight for life. That, that is probably 90% of the African-American community. And so I didn't want my children to feel that. And so today I have an attorney and I have a wonderful and amazing business owner, uh, a daughter who's an entrepreneur who is very successful um, because that's not how they were raised. They weren't raised to be animals. So you yeah, don't go exhausting. to <laughs> It's exhausting if you go to school and you're in the honors program and every other day they're shooting in the hallways. <laughs> yeah. And that's not normal, but you get conditioned to it and think it is until you mm -hmm. learn. You shouldn't have luck all that coming up. Mm -hmm. um, what is, if I'm saying the right, Art and Kingsley? Mm -hmm. So AR and Kingsley is the PR um, agency that I run. Um, it has been in existence for about, what, 13 years now. Wow. Um, yeah. So I represent everything from mayors to book authors to public speakers. Um, but I'm not just a publicist that's chasing media. 
I'm, I'm really not that type of publicist. I usually help my clients understand exactly how to position themselves for a traditional brand um, versus being a viral campaign. And so I'm not everybody wants to um, be traditional. Some people like the viral and the, they want to move fast. <laughs> well, what's the difference in the two from your professional opinion? So... Um, Traditional branding starts with a foundation. And okay. when you develop a strong foundation, um, you're able to create levels of success. You have the arc of the tree, which is your executives, and it's the structure, infrastructure, solid infrastructure. And then your business begins, it's like a tree, and then it just grows, and it has these wonderful branches, and it creates all of these different entities so that it would be able to create a residual income in certain spaces, a curing um, interest, all of these things, you know. But the most important thing about a traditional versus a viral brand is viral comes to an end at some point. Traditional is what leaves you legacy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Everybody tend to think the viral might be my quick million, for example. And yeah. You might get it, but hope you know how to invest it because mm-hmm. you got Pepsi been around forever and other brands. Those are traditionals. So that does show that works longer than just the quick fix. Mm-hmm. Microwave success never leads nowhere. <laughs> Imposterous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. Got to do the old school hard work way and build it. Mm-hmm. So what made you create Keynote Magazine? Mm. So Keynote Magazine, I was working with um, an amazing man, Sean Fair. Um, and while working with Sean, he, he has this really great platform for aspiring speakers. And so I was like, you know what, let me talk to Sean and see if we should launch this magazine. And so we talked and the next day I was like, okay, let's do it. But before, um, keynote magazine, it was exposure. So I started, um, exposure in 2013. So it's about nine years old now. And so I'm about 87,409 subscribers. And so I love the magazine industry. I do. I love um, being able to take ordinary folks just doing some extraordinary things and being able to provide them with the exposure that they so need. And a lot of times the media outlets today are ran by politics. And so they, they don't really cover these amazing people. So I'm glad that I'm able to provide a platform that celebrates the lives of so many amazing people. Now, I've just learned, was it former guest Tiffany williams Terrell that she has a magazine? And I'm seeing that people still have them. Mm-hmm. I thought they were it. I'm sorry, you said what magazine? Um, she has fitness Phoenix Fitness Fanatics magazine. Okay. And from her, I learned that magazines were still around because I guess you might see some in the markets, but like mm-hmm. Jet Magazine, always you see one of Ebony. I'm like, well, do people still do it since we're so much in a technology era right now? Mm-hmm. And it's good to see that it's still around. Let me 
it's a difference between, I mean, some the market is getting oversaturated with publications coming out from people being able to just create it from Canva now. They go to Canva and make a cover, and now they got a magazine. But, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That, I, this is not what we're talking about. <laughs> I, am, I am nowhere in that situation. Um and nor do I ever want to land upon those ears. Um, and spending nine years, I can tell you, I remember when I first started, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen the hard roads of going to print, you know. So I, I've spent 20000 going to print, you know, out of my own pocket and slept in my car so I can afford to pay for everything tomorrow. And airbnb beat out my house for a whole entire month while I slept on the side of a park. Um, you know, so the struggle was real when it came through it, you know. So I don't, I don't, all the Canva magazines and the digital publications, um, good for you. Good for you. Get off your chest with that one. You sat all the way up like, that's not real. Good for you. I've I've joined I, I joined every press conference press club in the country the the NAB everything that you can think of as far as registering your documents and sometimes when you sit amongst these other people who aren't registered you're like really that's what we I mean because if we could have just did this stuff free and just did a Canva magazine you know back in 2013 I I would have did it. Nope, wouldn't have did it. <clears throat> Still would have did it this way, the right way, you know? So I don't I, I don't subscribe to that. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy you say 2013. That's not really that long ago. Mm-mm. Now we have all this tech. Yes. Everything moved to online if you don't want nothing in your hand. Yeah. Right. I, I dare these companies that got magazines out here. Go to print. Let's see what you do. <laughs> Let me see if you, could, you know, I, I printed 40,000 copies of Keynote. Go to print. Let's see how that work out for you. <laughs> That's old school. I, I want to you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I appreciate that. That's the grit, the hard work, the dedication that it takes to be in business. And this digital stuff is just how long will it last? Let's just see how long it lasts. That's a good. That's a good question. I mean, some people still like a paper. So I think they might be handy hand going forward because some people still want to get their magazine, flip through it. It might be relaxing. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's for sure. Way. For sure. The baby boomer um, population has tripled, and most of them don't do internet. You know, they think that. No. Internet- <laughs> it's evil. Uh, I, I love too. Yeah, and most people forgot about that generation, but that's a generation that I serve and I love them. I, I, I they're very, very loyal. Yeah, um, they got money. Mm-hmm, and they got money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they will be loyal to spend yeah. it with you. <laughs> exactly. And so um I've I've learned to just um you know, there's some things they gotta say, and I think that they need to be said. So I say it. Now, do people agree with me? Probably not, but oh well. Yeah, you don't seem like the type to bite your tongue. Not at all. No. 
Um, so what have been challenges you faced along this road? Oh my God, being black. <laughs> and I hear that a lot when I ask that question. I mean, it's just being black alone, waking up every day knowing that you have to fight. Not no ands, ifs, and buts. Not no ands, ifs, and buts. And some days you just wake up and you wonder, today will I have to fight? I wonder if I don't, I wish, you know, reimagine the world if mm -hmm. I didn't have to fight. And that's the way I make it through it. And so I think the mo the biggest challenge is that in, especially in media, it's, um, I would say that it's cliquish and wow. only certain people hang with, you know, only certain people make it as far as minorities are concerned, because when they have something going on and people are getting advertisement dollars, a group of a certain clique of people will get together and they will claim all black people are a part of this situation. And that's not true. It's just the seven of them that together they're going to make it. And then the rest of us who are independent, um, you know, media owners or you know, not so big or not, you know, I didn't go to a historical black college. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I really want to apologize to people because it's like, if I didn't go to Howard or if I didn't go to a black school, um, I'm not even welcome to sit at the table. Wow. Yeah. So I, I've literally been sitting at this Marquette University table by myself for a long time. And I think that that's the most ridiculous thing ever is that a clique, is a clique of people, they get together and they get all the African-American media dollars um, and all of these other people who are like myself that are media outlets, we get zero dollars. We get zero dollars and we get zero support in helping us to get to that next level. But you will find that these entities tap into our community and they have events and platforms and speaker situations and they do all of this so that they can accumulate dollars. And it's, so it's, it's really interesting how um, they use these things and it is uh, to, to manipulate the market. That's basically what they're doing, just manipulating the market um, in their favor. Because it's not for all black media outlets to make it. It's it's not. It's not. And then the 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 point of return right now, I think is the hardest thing is knowing that we have called so many different um sponsors or brands or corporate brands over the last uh several months. And they're supposed to have a diversity inclusion department. This stuff doesn't even exist. Wow. It's all just a hoax um, about, you know, even if it does, they don't know what they're going to do this year. They don't know if they have a budget or they already spent it. I mean, we've been getting the runaround from advertisers for so long, but they just came out with this diversity inclusion uh, in response to George Floyd's death. Right. Okay. And they want to help black people. But no, it's not. You know why they did it? Because black people spend the most money into this economy, 
Learned $1.5 trillion. So we got to manipulate the market and start talking about diversity, equity, inclusion. And, um, oh, it's just so, un it's so, so unfortunate that it doesn't truly exist and that they have no intent. Now, how in the world can you give us 2% of 100%? Is that, it's the crumbs off the table. It's always the crumbs. Here, you could take 2%. And guess what? That 2% is going to be ate up when Essence gets to the table, Black Enterprise, Byron Allen, Roland Martin. Once they done, what's left over for us little people? Wow. What should we eat from? That's crazy that percentage is that small. They gave 2% interest to Black-owned enterprises that are um, collecting or syndicating content to Black communities. And so with that being said, we all thought it would be a great opportunity. But that opportunity has not presented itself um, thus far. And I have talked to several major companies and corporations and Fortune 500s and brands that we all wear and some of them we even drive. And yet we have gotten the runaround. Well, not this time. That sounds great. Well, keep talking to us and telling us, fill out this RFP. So while we're filling out all of this content and we're delivering it to them, we're basically turning over our intellectual properties so that they can manipulate the content and then go ahead and do it themselves without us involved. So it's just, it's a, it's a, this is a game. This really is. We live in an Elizabethan monarchy that is not controlled by us or for us. And so we have to be able to survive it. And I'm, I'm done with pitching to net to these corporations who are stealing our thoughts and our intellectual properties. And you see that even on TikTok. 35% of Black TikTokers have not even made a dollar nor a cent, you know, um, what? in comparison with their counterparts with the same numbers. Wow. You don't hear about that. No, you don't. They don't cover that part. That's the part that we got to say. They be on there all day. Mm -hmm. Some of the people, like, they got 100,000 followers. Yeah, but they, so they got some money coming in. But this is why we created our own um, platforms because it was so important that we create um, our own table. But if people go over to TikTok and you keep TikToking, then you can't complain about how TikTok does it. If if you went over to another program and help build a minority program. And it's crazy how minorities will go TikToking all day long on, you know, TikTok platform and Facebook Live and all day long on Mark Zuckerberg's platform. But when African Americans come with our platform, you can't get them to come into our into our um in our portal and create content and work with us. We work against each other very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never heard about Exposure until I interviewed Gene Baker. He said, you should connect with her. I'm like, what's this? And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't know this was out here. Mm. I was yeah. going through it. Like, got a lot of great stuff on there. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, I guess what is a way to try to get more exposure so people know there are minorities doing stuff they can come work with them instead of the TikToks or whoever? What is the way to get more exposure? Or how, how can they find out about you? You and others. Oh, no. um, visit the website. And when you do visit the website, you can also go and um, you can call 877-854-9404. Um, call and make an appointment. I'm always taking appointments, always listening to pitch, looking for great content. Um, that's always something that is important to me to continue to keep on offering opportunities to people. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you ever collaborated with the other people in that space when y'all fight to try to get y'all part of it? Um, we have reached out to the people who are actually controlling those different platforms for Black Media Matters. Um, mm -hmm. we've yet, um, that was a year ago, and we still haven't gotten a response. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what would you say has been the impact so far since you created this awesome entity? So far, um, last year I did about 147000 in giveaways. Um, we, we're continuing to keep building. Uh, right now we're building a new application that would allow people to have monetization on the front end. Um, there's also an AVLD system, which is now allowing our content creators to um, have ads um, ads spliced into their content okay. on an automatic system. And then the other piece is we are working with brand influencers from around the country. We just start signing tons of them. Um, so we're creating content that will be original pieces. And I think that that's going to be our turning point. Mm -hmm. Okay. I definitely believe it. And mm -hmm. part of it myself. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to market else? Um, oh no. I, I think that the most you, you know, I'm not really a salesy person because I feel like every product and every service that I've ever offered, it was all about finding the bigger problem and then solving it. So okay. exposure offers a solution for those individuals who want to localize their content and then you want to own your content 100%. So I talk to uh, my clients about ownership, localization that stops the distress of consumers. Consumers want to find your content in one space. Um, you will never see Jeff Bezos go ahead and open up an Amazon Facebook live, you know, like he's not going to do a LinkedIn live. You know, Jeff actually built his own uh, live system within the Amazon platform. So what I'm saying is that if you don't own a distribution outlet for content, it's best that you sign with a network that's going to give you 100% of your content. It's also going to give you rights to do monetization so that you can make the millions of dollars that networks are making. So networks like, let's say, Super Bowl, they make a million dollars a commercial. Well, if you got great content and you're able to do $2 million in sales, I think it's to be the other way around where people can actually own their content because we're very creative and you mm -hmm. should, own, you know, 
you should also be able to uh, contribute in the search for financing. And when you find that financing, you should get a major part of that. The network shouldn't just take advantage of people. I think that people should be able to earn a living wage from what they do. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Um, last question to ask everybody. What advice do you have for someone trying to find their purpose? Never let your call and take you somewhere your character can't show up. Wow. That's, that's like a bar. <laughs> Say that again. Never let your Never let your calling take you someplace your character can't show up. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> and I just in closing, I would say, you know, to be successful in business, give more than you ask for. If you give more than you ask for, people will open up the doors of heaven to you. That is the law of reciprocation. Give more than you ask for, and it will, God will give it back to you. And in the meantime, continue the journey. Never give up. It's a, the richest place in the world, to me, is in the graveyard. So many people die with dreams. You're right about that. And so, you know, I, I, you know, when God impregnates me with something, it's a vision um, I say I'm not having an abortion or aborting this baby. I'm taking it all the way into we get old and gray together. <laughs> okay. So, you know, stop aborting your dreams. Don't have an abortion to it. Go through the whole entire process. And yes, there will be some pain. Yes, in the pivotal moments of your life, there will be pain. And I think that you have to embrace that and make your pain your gain. And guess what? All of my pain has been a manifestation of my purpose. I have arrived. <laughs> That's a lot of wisdom right there. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, now you're saying a lot right there. That's good stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to enjoy my Friday evening. It was wonderful hanging out with you. Yeah, I appreciate you doing it. Sharing your story is going to help some people mm -hmm. start their path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I think that this was a wonderful opportunity, first and foremost. So I want to say thank you, Mr. Edwards, for all that you do, because you're an amazing man and you're doing an incredible job and continue the journey. Mm -hmm. I'm humbled by that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm getting out the mud. Keep getting out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll learn advertising, learn all that stuff old school for. Okay, well. They got a calendar or something, a canvas. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Gonna do better with this intro. I'm gonna figure that out next. I want it to be sweeter. Okay. Well, cool things. Well, if you ever need me, you know where I'm at. Oh yeah, I'm going to be reading that and taking care of that shortly. Uh -uh. So we'll see soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Oh